Ephesians 3, verse 1 to 13. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it, is, has, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power. To me, through I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God, who created all things, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the internal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. Great. Uh, thanks so much for reading for Asandra. Mm -hmm. um, just a suggestion, do... Wait one second. Um, do have the handout in front of you if you can, and also uh, a Bible. I think it would really help with following today's, today's talk. And um, we, we've been considering on this concept of the power paradox over the past couple of weeks. Uh, the concept that on the surface, something looks weak and really normal, but underneath is something that is brimming with power. Uh, we talked about the Christian life. On the surface, it looks difficult. It's, it's tiring as you battle daily with, with sin. But the reality is there is resurrection power causing through us. The battle with sin is evidence that we are alive. Uh, last week, we, we talked about the church, um, the church, the, the people coming together. We, we look weak, really ordinary, uh, normal-looking people from different ethnicities coming together. And on the surface, it looks weak. Uh, but we said that underneath, uh, there is resurrection power pulsing through us. Uh, the mix of different ethnicities, uh, we are God's temple. We are his dwelling place. But I want to suggest that in... Chapter 3, we reach the, the climax of the letter in Ephesians. Um, what about Paul? Um, is there any power at work in him? Uh, you see, Paul, uh, we talked about it, that he has been in, in prison. And you can see that he's been in prison in, in our passage today. Chapter 3, verse 1, I, Paul, a prisoner. Uh, chapter 4, verse 1, a prisoner for the Lord. And also in chapter 6, verse 20, for I am ambassador in chains. Uh, Paul is in, uh, is in a Roman cell. He has two rusty iron rings around his wrists. Uh, the, the closest I could get to chains was my bicycle 
a cable pole uh, in two in chains stuck in a Roman prison. And so it is easy to understand that the Ephesian church, um, hearing about Paul, would have been discouraged. They would lose heart. You see, Paul, he is the apostle to the Gentiles. He started a church. Uh, he was the one who defended them from the false teachers. Uh, he was their spiritual father. Uh, yet Paul, he was in chains. Um, he was suffering in a dingy, dank Roman cell. No tweets, no Facebook updates, no Snapchats, and no sound from Paul for many years. And so it's this situation of Paul being in prison that prompts him to write this letter to the Ephesian church. Uh, perhaps for us, we, we might find it a bit harder to sympathize with, with the Ephesian church uh, because we don't feel the same tension as, as they felt with Paul. But I want to suggest as well, this is not an insignificant issue. You see, Paul is one of the foundations of the church, and he describes himself as an apostle, the foundation of the church. A big chunks of the New Testament written by Paul. The church today is very much built on his writings. And it's built on an individual who has had two rusty iron chains around his wrist. Well, does that diminish um, the, the force of his writings? The how, um, if any, uh, is there power at work in Paul? The, the key verse for our talk today is verse 13. Uh, let me read it for you. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. Paul thinks that they should not lose heart because what he is suffering is their glory. And so the key to understand in our talk today, why is his suffering their glory? So let's see what God has to say to us today. Before we, we dive right into our passage, I want to say that I, I think this is a really tricky passage and it has been hard work over the week trying to grapple with, with what is going on. So um, the next uh, 20 minutes or so will be my best explanation of what I, I think is going on. But please feel free to ask your questions or to sound out your thoughts after the talk, and I would love to hear them. And in our passage today, there are many different theological uh, implications, uh, but I want to suggest that the focus of our passage is, is Paul. Uh, you see that in verse 1, for I, for this reason I, Paul, uh, verse 2, you may have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. Verse 3, how the mystery was made known to me, as I have written briefly. Verse 7, I was made a minister. Verse 8, to me. Verse 13, I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you. See, Paul he is the main focus in our passage today. And so, like I asked at the start, how is the power at work in Paul. And that's where we come to our first point on our handout, if you're following on the handout. Our first point is that his imprisonment is evidence of power. Look at verse 1. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles. 
Uh, Paul starts with for this reason. I think that the reason which he's pointing to is the verses that we saw last week from verse 19 to 22 of chapter 2, that Jew and Gentile, sorry, excuse me, are now built into God's dwelling place. Jew and Gentile are God's temple. And it's for the building of that temple that Paul is the prisoner. It's not because he's done something wrong, but it's for the goal of building that temple. And, and what comes after verse 1, uh, from verse 2 onwards, I think it's often read that Paul, he is going to a digression. So he, he moves away from what he's saying in, in chapter 3, verse 1, and he only comes back in verse 14. If you see there, for this reason, comes up again. So often it's been read that way. But I would like to suggest that um, that's probably not the case. Um, if you came for the, the overview talk a few weeks ago, um, I suggested that the letter is, is very tightly structured. So this, this passage, chapter 3, the first half of chapter 3, maps very closely to the first half of chapter 4. Um, I also suggested that his imprisonment is the main reason why he writes this letter. And so let me suggest that verse 2 to verse 7 is he is explaining why, why he himself is a prisoner. Look at verse 2. Assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men and other generations as, is, as it has been now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. I think the first thing that Paul wants us to realize and to perceive is that he is made a minister because of the insight that he has been given. Paul here, he's appealing on the basis of the content of his message. This is a really silly um, um, analogy, but for example, if, if I can explain the, the intricate mechanics of, of quantum physics, well, I can't, but say I can, it would follow then that I'm an expert quantum physicist. And so Paul here is saying something along these lines. Um, his intricate insight into the mystery, uh, it follows then that, that he is a minister to whom the mystery was made known a mystery that was not made known in other generations, and Paul is able to reveal it to his readers. What is the mystery? Uh, The mystery that Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, partakers of the promise. Paul says in verse 4, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles, and prophets by the Spirit. Well, in what way was it a mystery? See, I think in the Old Testament, it wasn't always clear um, to the extent to which the Gentiles were part of God's plan. Uh, Granted, the Gentiles were always promised to be part of God's plan, but the extent to which wasn't always clear. Think back to to last week, 
uh, we, we talked about the tabernacle as, as Moses completed the construction of the tabernacle and God's glory cloud filled the tabernacle and it was so glorious that Moses couldn't enter in. Think about the, the temple. As Solomon completed the building of the temple and consecrated it, fire came down out of heaven and God's glory cloud filled the temple and Solomon couldn't go in. And Paul says that dwelling place, a Jew and Gentile together, is where God dwells. And we are the temple, Jew and Gentile. And if, and if you are still trying to wrap your head about what it means to be God's dwelling place, Paul is saying something that this wasn't revealed in the past, but it has been revealed to him. And so because of what Paul has been saying, Paul says, perceive that I have been made a minister because of the insight that I have. But how, how did Paul become a minister? Um, and that's where we get to the next bit. Look at verse 2. Assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. Look also to verse 7. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. The power word there in verse 7, uh, the, the word power in Ephesians has a very specific reference. I think it refers to the resurrection power. And so is how did the resurrection power make Paul a minister? A Hitton would know the answer very well uh, because he preached on the passage last term. Acts chapter 9, uh, Paul on the road to Damascus in his hand holding a letter from the chief priest, giving him permission to go on his way to drag Christians back to Jerusalem, persecuting them. What happens? A bright light shines out of heaven all around Paul and a voice comes out saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who did Paul meet? Paul met the resurrected Lord Jesus. The resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead. That was the power that made Paul a minister. But the resurrected Lord made him a minister, but how does that explain why Paul is in in prison? And and it's important now, I think, um, if you can see in the handout, um, to go into Acts to see what's happening. It's because Paul's ministry involves suffering and imprisonment. Let me put up the, the reference on the screen. And here's what um, the Lord Jesus says to Ananias to describe Paul. And he says, go, for he is my, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Now, Paul is reminding them when he tells them about um, that the fact that they've heard about his, his stewardship, Paul is reminding them that his ministry involves suffering. Now, he is in prison because that was what the risen Lord commissioned him to do. Don't you see what Paul is saying here? He is telling them not to lose heart, not despite his chains, but 
because because of the chains. Paul doesn't think that his his chains are, are a sign of weakness. He doesn't think that his chains should be a discouragement. Uh, he thinks that if you heard about his Damascus Road experience, if you heard about how he turned from an enemy to an instrument, uh, you will know that his his chains is part of his job description. It is evidence that he met the risen Lord Jesus on the road to Damascus. It is evidence that the resurrection power is at work in him. See, we, we often think that power is, is displayed in the prison break. Uh, Paul thinks that power is displayed by him being in prison. So how is the, the resurrection po- power at work in Paul? Paul points us back to his Damascus Road experience where the risen Lord appeared to him and told him that he would be a minister who would suffer for him. His imprisonment is evidence of the resurrection power at work in him. But you see, Paul's job description wasn't only to be a prisoner or someone who, who suffers. Um, he was also chosen to be an instrument to carry the name of Jesus. And so I think we come to point two, uh, which is his proclamation, or if you like, this letter is an evidence of power. Paul there, he starts to describe his role. Look at verse 8. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. Suppose here he's saying that his role uh, is not only being staying to prison, but also to, to proclaim, uh, to preach to the Gentiles, to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery. And Paul there, when he calls himself the very least of all the saints, I don't think he's, he's just being polite or being uh, a bit British there. I think Paul really means that he is the least of the saints. He was the one who had the letter in his hand to persecute Christians. And so Paul thinks um, he, the list of the saints, was given the role to proclaim. But what was his, his goal? I look to verse, verse 10. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Through the church, uh, we display to the rulers and authorities, I think that refers to the evil forces, Satan and his, his lackeys, uh, the, 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 the manifold wisdom of, of God. Um, you might ask, why does Paul use the word manifold? I think manifold there could refers to, if you like, multifaceted or multi-sided. And it's probably a nod towards the church being made up of different ethnicities people from different tribes and languages. And it's really only in the church where you see that happening. Um, personally, I'm involved in the international ministry in the church that I'm in. Uh, it's mostly involved with South, uh, people from South Asia. So we have a lot of people from mainland China and also from Hong Kong. Uh, you might have heard last year, there were a lot of protests in Hong Kong um, because of the Chinese government. And you can imagine there was quite a high tension in the church. Imagine with people from mainland China, with people from Hong Kong, and they had family members who were injured in the riots. Uh, Yet, um, they reflected God's wisdom. 
uh, by living together as one new humanity. I'm sure you've also been reading the news about George Floyd, and I'm obviously not sure how this whole saga would, would play out. But I think what I can be sure is that only in the church, only in the new humanity and ultimately the new creation that Jesus is preparing, can this combination of Jew and Gentiles displaying God's wisdom be solved. And so Paul's role um, is to, to proclaim and his goal is to display God's wisdom through the church. And you, you might perhaps disagree with, um, with what I might say, but I think Paul is doing something a bit more than just describing his role and his goal. Uh, I want to suggest that this letter that we are reading today is part of that proclamation. See, I think Paul wants them to realize that this letter sent from prison, uh, written by him in, in his chains, um, is him fulfilling his Damascus Road commission. See, he was, uh, com- he was, uh, he was commissioned to, to accomplish um, both preaching the gospel and also to suffer. And we see him preaching in chapters 1 in our letter. So verse 8, sorry, uh, chapter 3, verse 8. To me, the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach uh, to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And we see him describing the unsearchable riches of Christ in chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be God, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. Verse 9, he's telling us that he has uh, his role is to bring to light for everyone plan of the mystery and the word bring to light uh, is the same word that he uses in his prayer in chapter 1 verse 18 uh, he prays that the eyes of our hearts may be enlightened and he talks as well about revealing that mystery um, that is the church and in chapters 2 verse 11 to 22 uh, he's reminding the church that they are God's temple above the combination of Jew and Gentile displays God's mystery So I think what Paul is doing here is saying that his letter, this letter that he's sending to them from prison, is the essence of his ministry. You see, Paul's commissioning involves two things, suffering and proclamation. And the letter that he has been writing to them reveals the mystery written from prison, which is fulfilling his commissioning. And there is the evidence that he has met the risen Lord Jesus on the road to Damascus. So the question we, we started out this, this talk with, how is the power working in Paul? And so I think the answer is, it's, it's this letter, um, this letter that Paul wrote to the church, that's his proclamation, and also um, his chains. Uh, the fact that he is in prison and he sends this letter proves that he met the risen Lord on the road to Damascus. And so even as the, the Ephesian church, um, as they, they read the letter that they received from prison, uh, they are displaying God's wisdom, manifold wisdom to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. And even as we, we read Paul's letter today, sent from prison, uh, we are displaying God's manifold wisdom to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. So verse 13, So I ask, you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is your glory. 
a few thoughts on on application as, as we as we close today i want to suggest that this perhaps might be another reason for us to believe in the resurrection obviously we have the eyewitness accounts matthew mark luke and john but also paul and historically one who was enemy of the lord jesus who was turned into an instrument for him and landed up into prison yet continues to proclaim the gospel to the nations and that proves he did indeed meet the risen lord jesus on the road to damascus and maybe secondly and more importantly is for us not to lose heart well in, in many ways we we don't feel the, the same tension as the ephesian church would have definitely felt um, as they heard about paul in jail but i think for us at the very least we can be fully assured that paul's imprisonment uh, does not in any way reduce the force of his his letters in fact it bolsters it it is proof that he was commissioned by the risen lord and um, his chains his imprisonment is proof that he was commanded and commissioned to suffer for jesus's sake in this letter that we have been considering over the past few weeks um, is proof of the resurrection power as someone who was a sworn enemy of the church that used to drag christians back to jerusalem and to kill them uh, paul now changed a prisoner for the lord jesus proclaiming his name and as we read this letter we are displaying god's manifold wisdom to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places verse 13 again as, as we close uh, so i ask you not to lose heart over what i am suffering for you which is your glory let me pray father we we thank you for paul but more than that father we thank you that the lord jesus commanded him and met him on that road to damascus thank you that there was a amazing display of of resurrection power and thank you that in in the lord jesus and through the words of paul we can put our faith in him so we praise you for the encouragement and the certainty we can have that the lord jesus really did rise from the dead in his name we pray amen <laughs>